So um, we've been in a series uh, that we just started called Be Transformed. And the idea is that God wants to transform us on the inside. And that starts with here, right? Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so last week we shared a little bit about um, what that looks like as far as um, realizing that our mind really is the control center, right? Uh, we can say, God, take the wheel. We can say, Jesus, take over, do some awesome things, show us the promised land and all the things that you have for us. And he can show those things to us. He can point us in the right direction. But if the mind map is wrong, if we've put guardrails up to keep us on a certain path because of the negative thoughts, because of our past, because of our failures, because of our defaults, then we're just going to stay on the same path and we're not going to have access to all that God has. And we see that all throughout the Bible. And so today I want to dig a little bit deeper. And we ended last week talking about two daughters. And if you remember, we landed on a gal who was healed by, with a flow of blood. And she didn't have a father to come and contend for her. So Jesus called her daughter and said, I'll contend for you because some of those deep thoughts are identity connected, right? As a man thinks in his heart right here and right here, it's connected to who I am and they're deep. And so Jesus wasn't just healing the blood flow, but he was healing her heart. And you think about yourself, that you're a daughter, you're not an outcast. And that's kind of how we ended last week. And I want to pick up the same story because as you remember, Jesus had interacted with a guy named Jairus. Jairus is a synagogue leader. He came and said, my daughter, who I'm contending for, is sick. Jesus said, I'm coming. So then the girl with the flow of blood kind of interrupts the whole conversation. Jesus heals this gal. We're going to pick up the story it's not going to be up on the screen, um, but I just want you to kind of, kind of embrace this story as it unfolds, and then we're going to see what God has to say for us in the middle of it. It says, and Jesus is saying to the girl with the flow of blood, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Then it says in verse 35, and this is what stuck out to me. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid. Don't listen to them. Only believe. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw those who were weeping loudly. And he came in and he said, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. Remember when he came to Lazarus, right? And they were doing the same thing. They were weeping, right? He's been dead three days. And Jesus is like, what's the big deal? He's sleeping. And they're like, Jesus, no, you don't understand. He, he already stinks. The stench is coming out. He's in the tomb. He's dead. Same scenario, verse 40. And they ridiculed him. Another translation said, and they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. But when he had put all, all of them outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said, uh, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the little girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the word that you have for us on this topic of our mind 
and connected to our faith. Jesus, because you have an incredible journey for each of us, you, you have things that you want to lead us into in this year. We know that, but we also know that there's a very real battle that we face every day in our mind, and we don't always know how to face it. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would open up our eyes today, that you'd give us the tools to walk in victory in this area. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message is, I Caught a Thought. I Caught a Thought. Let me ask you this. Can you catch an attitude? High schoolers, what do you think? If your parents ever said, I need you to change your attitude. Hello. They're like, no, actually, it's never happened. <laughs> Can you catch fear? Can you catch a promise? Can you catch a dream? Can you catch a vision? Yes, 100%. Well, you can also catch a thought. You have. And, and it can take you one or two ways. And we're going to see how this is so important because this series really is about walking in victory. And, and, I, and I don't mean it's about walking in victory like living your best life now. This church is not about you living your best life. This, is, this church is about you being transformed by Jesus and him setting you free from the things that hold you back and allowing you to step into all that Jesus has. And that looks like being more like and looking more like Jesus and living a life of significance and meaning here on earth. And that pursuit is so powerful and so potent that the enemy throws everything at you to keep you from it. Everything. And the majority of what he throws at you is right here. How does he do it? Well, he plants seeds. Those thoughts, those fiery darts. He plants those seeds. He hopes that you catch them. He waters those seeds like crazy. He's so good at it. And he hopes that eventually those thoughts become your daily nutrition. Because no, make no mistake, your brain is feeding on something. And every day you wake up, it's ferociously hungry. And it says, feed me. Feed me with thoughts that are going to take me one way or another. You remember when, remember when Jesus... Remember when the disciples came and they thought Jesus was hungry because he hadn't eaten all day. And they said, Jesus, you should really eat something. You know, you're looking a little skinny. You know, this keto thing's not really working. Jesus, like, eat something. And he's like, no, no, I have food that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of the Father. I live, what did he tell the, the enemy? I live, I, I actually put it up there. Um, a uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's nutrition for the soul. Why? Because it feeds this. Listen, we don't, we don't read the Bible because it's our good Christian duty. We read it because it's food. 
What does that look like, Shane? What, what does it look like for the word of God to be food for me? Well, it looks like when you wake up, you catch the right thought. And it fuels your faith. Or you revert back to that going nowhere, dead end track you were on before that led you down all the wrong paths. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that looked like you waking up in the morning and catching the wrong thought and living on that. Living on those thoughts. And listen, I know it sounds silly, but I'm telling you, we all know this is where it starts. And this is the enemy's tactic to take you down the wrong road. And so, so Jesus said, no, I, I feed on the word of God because it's so important. So this is about more than just overcoming negative thoughts. We are talking about faith to believe. Faith to believe. So the first idea is this. Identify rogue thoughts. Identify rogue thoughts. So looking into the story, Matthew chapter five, this is what we read. So Jesus had just healed the daughter. He said, daughter, you're healed, right? The very next, this is the very next uh, scripture. Go ahead and put it up there. Mark chapter five, verse 34. It's blow me away. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This is Jesus talking. And then it says this, while he was still speaking, some came from the rulers of the synagogue of the house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Have you ever, have you ever decided to like step out for God and do something? I don't know if it's maybe like jump on a serving team or maybe it's like, I'm going to start tithing or it's like, okay, I'm going to start this year. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to commit to a missions trip or I'm going to go do something. And what, what typically happens right after that? Right after that decision. Something bad. You get in an argument with your spouse on the way to church, right? Like something happens where you're just like, really? Like I literally, God, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best here. I made a step forward. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get hit by something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Because there was a, there was a faith-filled thought that you were grabbing a hold of. I'm gonna catch that. Yeah, God, I, I hear you speaking to me. I hear you asking me to step out. I hear you. You're moving me forward. I'm believing God. I'm not stuck. Okay, I heard that sermon, right? You go home. All right, you get out your word. I'm gonna make a commitment. And all of a sudden the enemy's like, no, you're not feeding on that. I'm taking that from you. I'm taking that. And I love this passage because literally Jesus just healed the gal. Can't take that away. It happened right in front of Jairus. The very thing he's asking for, healing from his daughter, happens in front of him. And just like that, the enemy's like, nope, I'm taking that from you. Why trouble the teacher anymore? It's done. And in that moment, Jarius had a choice. What am I going to do? Which thought, which thought am I going to live on? While he was still speaking. When we were looking for this facility, um, we were looking around a little bit. Adam, you remember this. Uh, 
we went to a, a location and we talked to a pastor and we were possibly looking at maybe renting, renting the space from them. And during a conversation I had with this pastor, um, it was kind of in passing and no disrespect on this pastor. He didn't mean anything by it. But in the conversation with this pastor, as we were talking about possibly renting their space, he said, um, he was expressing what happened when they moved from one location to another. And he was kind of, you know, just as pastors do, bantering back and forth and relating with our scenario. I told him what's going to go on with us. And he was talking about his scenario. And then he said these words, be prepared to lose half your congregation when you move. And it was like time stood still. Talk about clear the mechanism in the wrong way. It was like all the good evaporated and it was just like me and that phrase in this like hollow tunnel, be prepared to lose half your congregation. See, there's some things that come in thought form, that come in a spoken word form, but they have an assignment on them from the enemy to derail you. It was just like that. And I went home so discouraged. And I was like, tally, I was writing each of your names down with a check or an X. Like, okay, God, if I'm going to lose half, keep them, lose them. No, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> no, you all had a check next to your name. And Adam called me the next day. Because when you're in tune, sometimes you can hear it. Your spiritual ears, identifying the rogue thought. And Adam called me and he said, that, that word that was spoken, that was the enemy. That's not the Lord. He prayed with me and he said, we're going to cancel that right now. Because it had an assignment on it. Just like this. Jarius, you know what? Even though you just saw a miracle right in front of you and Jesus is with you and he's already said he's going with you, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't bother him anymore. In fact, don't even ask anymore. Stop believing. It's over. I had an assignment on it. I love... Um, I love what Jesus said in, in the next verse. As soon as Jesus heard the word, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't you be afraid. I wish we had Jesus physically with us, standing next to us, <laughs> right? When those words come up, right? We don't always have Adam standing there, which would be nice. But, but that, that would be nice. But you know what we do have? We have the Holy Spirit. He, he's with us. He's with you. That's why it's so important when you wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to, to, to flood my heart and mind with thoughts from heaven. Colossians says, fill your, uh, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Let heaven fill your thoughts. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. 
And so, and so every day we're identifying the rogue thoughts. And when they come, which they come, listen, this, this isn't like, hey, just in case you stumble across a landmine. It's when they come and they come every day. Jesus heard it and said, no, don't, don't listen to that. So what are they for you? And, and the reality is, listen, just like, just like uh, your mind has an appetite. And it doesn't always feed on steak and potatoes, right? Sometimes it feeds on goldfish, right? Like not every thought is this huge landmine, right? And so, but, but every, every thought is connected, every negative thought is connected to a root of something. And so it's identifying those. It's identifying those root thoughts, strongholds in our lives, those lies It's so incredibly important. Second idea is this, take authority over rogue thoughts. Take authority over rogue thoughts. The challenge is most of us walk around for weeks, months, and sometimes years with rogue thoughts unchallenged in our mind. All of us do. And I think if if I could do anything today and over this series, is to help all of us. Sometimes, sometimes when, when somebody preaches a sermon, it's like, yeah, I can see how I, I struggled with that at one point. Or, man, this is really good for my spouse. Right? I'm going to take notes for them. And I don't mean that condescendingly like you're not listening to receive. But sometimes... You know, the topic is just kind of like, yeah, I, I get that. And I can see how when I walk through that, this is going to be helpful or whatever. If, if, I can, if I can break through that and help all of us today realize that we all are suffering from this. And that's not because you're not a super Christian or because you're not a super Christian. We all are walking through dynamics like this every day. And some of them are deep-rooted, myself included. And so we need to lean into this and realize we got to take some authority over some stuff. You need to take authority over some stuff. And some of them are so, so deeply rooted that you don't know what they are and what they look like. And that's why it's so important. And we had this in our men's group and we talked about it a little bit. It's so important to have people in your life. Can I give you a little free nugget that has nothing to do with renewing your mind? Having people in your life where you can say, Speak into my life. Speak into my life. I give you permission. What do you see? What blind spots do you see because you know me? And I'm not talking about like uprooting deep-rooted secret sins. I'm saying like tendencies, mindsets, things. And I'm not saying like, where do I annoy you? I'm saying like, where do you think I'm settling for less? Where do you see in my life where I'm like, man, I'm negative or I play the victim or I'm stuck in some unforgiveness over here or how I treat people? Like speak into my life because I actually don't see it. I don't see it. And can I just release you? You can't see it. That's why it's called a blind spot. That's why there's the body of Christ, right? The foot's not supposed to be the hand. We need each other. And it's such a powerful thing to get off of your, you know, holier than thou. Like you got issues and you need people in your life to help you with those issues. So speak into my life. Spouses, Heather and I, right? 
I mean, let's be honest, she needs me, right? Right? <laughs> no, but, but just this idea of like, hey, how are we doing? Hey, how am I doing? Are we too proud to say that? How am I doing? It's powerful. It's powerful. It can't be islands in this topic. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? You must not eat from the garden. Now I always read this and thought that it happened like within, you know, 30 minutes. You know, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden and then, you know, the snake slithers up and like they've seen him for the very first time and seen this, you know, tree for the first time. And, you know, then he talks to her and then they have this interaction. She's like, hmm, yeah, you're right. Actually, he's got a good point. Here you go. Here you go. Let's both eat. And boom, it's done. And all of a sudden, like it's, we're all dipped, you know, a 30 minute bad decision. But I mean, when was the last time that you ruined all of humanity in 30 minutes? It just takes longer. You know what I'm saying? For you to totally ruin your life, it takes longer than 30 minutes typically. Typically, it's over the course of, here's a thought, and you catch it. And then you think about it. Right? And then you could take somebody else says something. And there's another thought, and you think about it. Right? And then you have some shower talk, and, and you're you know, talking to some people. And then a couple days go by and a couple weeks go by. Who knows? Like the, the, the creation story, I mean, there's so many different opinions about how, how long that whole thing took. Who knows when the serpent talked to her and then when she actually ate the fruit. How long was it? Was it years? Was it days? Was it weeks? Who knows? All I know is that at some point she grabbed a hold of a thought. Did God say is, is he really out for our, my best interest? Is, are things the way that they seem? I don't know. And she worked it out. Mark chapter 5, verse 39 says this. Jesus, this is how he dealt with it. When he came in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child is dead, but sleeping. Then everyone began to ridicule and laugh at him. They laughed at Jesus and he threw them outside. Man, Jesus, you're kind of like mean. What a meanie. Like threw them all outside. These are people too. They have feelings. Listen, I think we're too nice, right? Like you're too nice. You need to take authority over the garbage that the enemy is throwing at you. You need to stop being so nice. You need to stop tolerating all of this garbage that, that, that you're navigating. And realize, this is the point in the sermon where you, where, where you realize, oh my gosh, um, those rogue thoughts have an assignment to paralyze me. Things like this. They designed to keep you bound in unforgiveness. I struggle with that one. Just being honest. Life is hard. Ministry is hard. People hurt. Anybody with me? It's hard. It's not easy. 
Thoughts designed to ensure that you believe and keep believing you're the victim here. Designed to keep you stuck in shame and unworthiness. You're not enough. You're not worthy. Thoughts designed to ensure that you never really trust anyone again. Because look what happened. Look what keeps happening. You can't trust. Thoughts designed to keep you, uh, cause you to lose your faith in God's promises for you. Jarius, don't bother him anymore. It's done. It's time to take authority over this in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I tell you, um, most rogue thoughts, well, let me say it this way. Rogue thoughts have destroyed more relationships than just about anything else. The Bible talks a lot about the power of unity, the power of relationships, power of marriage. Rogue thoughts have destroyed more marriages than probably just about anything. Destroyed more churches, church splits, more connections, more family connections, rogue thoughts. Why? Because we make assumptions about people, don't we? They say something and then it's just... And then we talk to somebody about it. And then before long, this person's out to get me. And we create this whole scenario and this whole narrative. And it's just, and then the next time we see them, they look at us and it confirms, right? See, I knew it. See, did you see how they looked at me? I knew it. And then they didn't even talk to me. They said they were going to text me and invite me over, but they didn't. See, I knew it. And then all of a sudden we've created this thing. This is not just a lack of people skills. This isn't like, hey, you need to be better with people. No, I think you're just fine with people. I think there's a war. And I think that you have not taken it seriously. Especially in your relationships. What do we say? In 10 years, what's the most valuable thing? Come on, class. In 10 years, this is what we said. In 10 years, if you invest in it now, the most valuable thing you will have, it's not your money. It's not the plummeting stock market. It's not your amazing job or your accomplishments or your trophies or the trips you took. It's the people in your life. If that is true, because, by the way, people are the only things that are going to heaven. The only things that are eternal. The only things that won't burn up. If that's true, don't you think the enemy would be kind of on it to make sure that those all erode in your life? And don't you think he'd use the most powerful tool he's got? I think you and I need to do a heart check and go, have I really been taking this seriously? Because I think that the enemy has won in more relationships in my, wife, life, my life than, I, than I'd like to be honest with. I, I think that the enemy has sabotaged relationships in my life more 
than I want to admit. Because I didn't do what Jesus did. Nope, nope, you're not listening to that thought. You're not giving into fear. We're not doing that. I'm not afraid of conflict. Let's do it right. Come on, let's talk. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to sit back here and wonder and assume about you, right? We're going to come together and we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to value you like the most important thing in my life in 10 years. And if we do that, and if we take those thoughts captive, if we refuse to live in unforgiveness, if we refuse to be the victim, then I'm telling you, we're going to kick the devil in the teeth and we're going to take authority over this garbage in Jesus' name. We have the mighty weapons. We do. It's not just in relationships. It's in every area of our life. That's just one that the enemy's really, really, it's really important to him. Students, if you guys get this stuff now, oh my gosh, you're going to be head and shoulders over your peers. It's time to take authority in Jesus' name. Lastly, we're going to finish on this. It's time to catch a new thought. See, see, it's easy to be in between a thought. The, the, the children of Israel, um, the spies, the 12 spies, I mean, this is like a perfect example, right? Jesus, God's like, I'm giving you the land. 12 go in, 10. Caught the wrong thought. Two. Caught a good thought. Ten, they're giants. The land's amazing, but they're giants. You know what's interesting? When we catch the wrong thought, we magnify problem. And we make it bigger than it is. Because the truth is, there was very few giants. Theologians say, there was very few giants. They may have seen one because we know that, right, there's Goliath, right? There was a, a, a genealogy-wise, there was a line of giants or bigger people. But the vast majority of people that they would have seen in those 40 days were normal-sized people. But what was their report? They're all giants. And they're going to kill us. And so the land's amazing, but we're never going to be able to do this. You see how they caught a thought and for 40 days they feasted on that thought. I don't think we can do it. I don't know. I saw that one giant. Maybe there's more. Two. Two came back and said, yeah, they're big, but our big God is bigger. And so I choose to magnify God because he's the only one worthy to be magnified. Because no matter how big I make him, he's bigger than that. Instead of magnifying the problem, right? A relationship issue, a dynamic that all of a sudden you've made it so much bigger and so much worse because of this garbage that you've been mulling over. Instead, we're gonna make those small and our God big because it's time, because I'm gonna catch a new thought. I'm going to catch a new thought. And it comes from this passage. And I, I don't typically read Lamentations. Uh, not that it's not an awesome book, but it's just not my daily reader. But Lamentations, this is such a cool passage. And I love the progression. So watch this. I put it up there. My splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remembered my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness 
and the gall, when I remember them, my soul is downcast within me. Talk about catching a thought. It's right here. When I remembered these things, when I meditate on them, when I think about them, they become so big. And I get discouraged. And I feel alone. And then I wonder, is God even for me? And then I, I start making a plan, don't I? How am I going to get out of this mess? What steps am I going to take? How am I going to get back at this person that wronged me? We start scheming. I love the next part of this verse. Yet. Everyone say yet. Everyone say it's not over. Everyone say I'm not catching that thought. Yet this I recall to my mind and therefore I have hope. Come on. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's where hope comes from? You mean it's not my world being perfect? You mean it's not everything working out the way I think they should, how I think they should, when I think they should? You mean if it comes just from a thought that I catch when I recall to mind and therefore I help because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed for his compassions fail not. Here it is. They're new every morning. What does this mean? It means I can catch a thought every morning. There's a new, glorious, hope-filled, faith-filled, heaven-sent thought coming to you every single morning. And you just get to go, yep, that's what I'm feeding on today. Just like Jesus said, listen, I know something that you don't know. You ever, want, you, you ever see like really positive, godly, amazing people that walk through things just with incredible grace? And you always think, they know something that I don't know. Because <laughs> what I see, it doesn't add up. They know something. I'm sure that's what the disciples thought when Jesus said, I have food you don't know about. See, I caught a thought this morning and it was the goodness of God. It was the mercy of God. I caught a thought about his love for me today and I began to magnify who he is. It changed my outlook. It changed my whole day. And now I have hope because I caught a thought. It's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The power of a thought. One thought can cause us to behold and be in awe. See, it's not enough to reject rogue thoughts. We need to catch a new thought from heaven. This I recall to mind and therefore I have hope. The thought you hold on to, the one you allow to dominate, will be the stronghold of your life. And so if we do it long enough, 
And if we develop a pattern to say, no, I know where to go for my food in the morning. And when we do that, we begin to build a stronghold, which is the Lord Jesus, our rock. And we finish with Psalm 27. One thing I have desired of the Lord and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Watch this, to behold the beauty of the Lord. See, I'm not beholding my problems that I've created in my mind. And I've caused these thoughts to spin and spin and spin. Today, I'm catching a new thought from heaven that's causing me to behold the beauty of the Lord. And then he says, for in the time of trouble, you shall hide me there in the secret place. In his tabernacle, he shall hide me and he shall set me high upon a rock. This is the pathway to victory. And so we're putting the enemy on notice today because we have an army here that realizes you have mighty weapons to tear down this garbage. And now you have tools to grab a hold of your soul's nutrition, your mind. I'm going to catch a new thought from heaven today. And I'm just going to begin to marinate on that. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to have a bunch memorized. Just catch a thought from heaven. Just catch one. It's just one. Open up the Bible app and read the verse of the day and say, Holy Spirit, come on, give me a thought from heaven today that I'm going to meditate on all day long. And it's going to cause me to think that you are great and awesome and not my problems. Father God, today we thank you that you have truly gone before us. And Lord, you are inviting us into this pathway of victory. It's a place of freedom. It's a freedom from condemnation and guilt. It's a place of freedom from shame. It's a place of freedom from bitterness and unforgiveness. And Jesus, it's a broad place where we make you our strong tower, our hiding place. And so, Father, I pray that tomorrow morning when we wake up and our feet hit the ground, Lord, that we would remember to look up to heaven and we'd say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you download a thought from heaven? Would you remind me today what the Father thinks about me? Would you remind me today how big and how good you are? Would you remind me today that you own the cattle on a thousand hills? Jesus, would you remind me today that you're my healer? God, would you remind me that even though when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so in this, in this place where, where you're inviting us, our mind to go to a new place, Jesus, that we say yes. Yes to your pathway and yes to your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Awesome.